1: what's up browns fans welcome into the obr film breakdown it is your friday april 14th episode and with friday comes franchise mode which somehow we're now uh on episode 10 of franchise mode we've done quite a few of these i'm welcoming in andrew spade andrew what's up man how are you you know i like to do the obligatory podcast question
2: yeah uh well jake i'm doing well thank you for asking of course um i'm I'm doing good i'm excited about a spring looks like a very warm spring weekend ahead of us i've got uh some mm-hmm. um, some late breaking plans to maybe go to the beach for a little bit this weekend. So uh it's exciting. Big news! Big news down here. Big news!
1: I'm just waiting for me to ask some guest that question at some point, and they're like, "You know, pretty shitty actually." Yeah. My wife won't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't, you can't, <laughs> right. whatever, whatever. Just, the I'm just waiting for yeah, that, just exactly. somebody yeah. to just lay it. On. And then I had, and then there's like five seconds of silence, and I haven't. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe so that can be my is, bit <laughs> Yeah, this should be your bit. What's I'll going wrong in your life? You week. throw it to me. Yeah, I got you, bud. I like it. You guys heard that. He has to have a complaint next week. We won't remind him. It's just going to be a task. Uh, So listen, we're going to jump into the world of Browns football. I spent yesterday going on about the Greg Newsom situation, what I thought of that. Don't think there's anything to add to it. on Winfrey uh, also talked about that. Uh, We'll see. I'm going to – you always let that stuff play out. We'll see what happens with it. Not a good look, but it does talk a little bit of where the Browns roster is as we're always – evaluating these things. And anytime somebody puts out something that is uh, built around thinking about roster construction, I think there's a fascinating discussion for the Browns because they have some interesting decisions on this roster, Andrew. So Mina Kimes retweeted a, a article here by Bill Barnwell, which was analyzing uh, basically they started with this concept because of the Bijan Robinson first round running back question, right? And then they looked at last year's playoff rosters and broke down which positions uh, those teams in the playoffs invested in most. So her general conclusion from read this retweet and what bills was as well. The best team, I guess Bill's the guy that wrote it. I should give him the most credit. Mina's tweet says, The best team saved money at tight end running back and linebacker. So uh, looking at this, and we'll try. I'll try to give this quickly so you guys who are just listening and not looking at this tweet, which I will link in the description of this episode so you can have reference point. Uh, here's what each position had spent uh, by every playoff team. Again, so here's the premium percentage, again, by each team. It's not necessarily spent, but it's just the number of pre- premium position guys. And Andrew, define real quick what they – you you just told me off air. So how do they define the premium players uh, for the yeah. selection? There,
2: you know, and I'm I'm as we're talking about this, I'm reading more about this, and I I almost <laughs> I am now like a little bit concerned about the methodology of this because he's basically talking about it's not premium players in 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 that sense. It's premium assets for players, right? So, uh, for example, at tight end. The only premium, quote-unquote, premium player he's considering is TJ Hawkinson because Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews were all mid-round picks. So even though they've all signed lucrative extensions, he doesn't count them as expensive, quote-unquote. And so um, I I have a little bit of a beef with that in terms of, like, if we're evaluating roster construction. So this doesn't really speak to – you know players that you that you bring in and develop that that turn into great players this really only speaks to investing significantly in players them. what's that
1: yeah it's just how you got them right yeah
2: exactly right through whether it's a trade uh so so what he considers premium players uh is in terms of premium price is a free agent with more than two years of guarantees a big trade that inquir- requires significant draft capital or around one pick. So those are kind of the three ways that you can add up a, a player at a, at a sort of premium price. So that's really what this is about.
1: That's interesting because I mean, it's not like you're not talking about money spent here. So it's interesting to just exclude uh, those players that you have extended in house.
2: But my instinct is probably that he cut that out. Cause it makes his argument weaker <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Right. Because like, there are there are prob- I mean, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I would guess that there are probably players on some of these rosters that are homegrown at some of these quote-unquote less valuable positions that would skew this study a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I like what they did. I'm not sure, to your point that you just referenced, the methodology is perfect here. I think that we can still have a discussion because at the heart of this, I don't think Mina and Bill are unearthing something that's rare right teams are for the most part saving money at tight end, running back linebacker I think that's universal there are other positions that they save money at for the most part too which we can talk about because the Browns have invested the thing that's lacking from this is obviously looking at which players were extended because the decision to let somebody meaningful walk the Browns have still not done Uh, they've really not let a valuable valuable member of their team leave because of either budgetary constraints or whatever so this is where I think there's a discussion to be had, right? You can go through one by one and talk about these, Andrews. So quarterback, yes. We'll do their criteria, and then we'll talk about some of the additional things to it. Quarterback, yes, because they made a big trade. Running back, is uh, it's a no by their standard, but we would still say that's a yes because two reasons. One, Nick was the second pick of the second round, which is as close as you can really get to being a first-round pick, and they also extended him, right? Exactly. Amari does Amari doesn't count because he was a late round trade. Um, You know, obviously Donovan was a late pick. Now, I think we got to include, I would, the Elijah Moore trade, maybe the definition of little or big, to me, giving up the 42nd pick, although you get another pick in exchange, I think that's meaningful. I think that's a big trade. So I would include Elijah Moore.
2: Yeah, I can see that argument.
1: Yep. Uh And Joku was a first-round tight end, and they extended him, right? tackle, yep. they invested in Jedrick Wills and signed Jack Conklin's first contract was multiple years. And then I know the second contract he's dealing with here is less guaranteed, obviously, after this year. But still, that's multiple investments in Jack Conklin. Both guards did not get selected or traded. Joel was a second-rounder. And then uh, I think Teller ended up being like a sixth-round pick. He ended up being traded for something of that nature. And we'll talk about both of those guys because they extended uh, Posich is, uh, a multi-year free agent technically. So that would be a yes, uh, Okoronkwo and miles Okaronquo, a multiple year free agent miles, obviously the first overall pick. The only player that qualifies the defensive tackle would be Tomlinson who they just signed. I don't think there is a linebacker, uh, that qualifies Joe. Okay. You could get really nitpicky and say they did trade up for him in the second round, but it was in the fifties. So I don't think you would include that in a premium, uh, capacity, Two corners, Newsom and Ward, and then safety, they spent, um, you know, Thornhill's a, a multi-year guarantee guy. So mm-hmm. the criteria here for what they're doing is a little, a little finicky, but I think the general point they're trying to examine, especially when they reel it back to Bijan Robinson, is, okay, what are you spending your most valuable assets on, either trading right. Signing multiple years or drafting somebody in round one. And you look at like, okay, when you look at the round one draft picks, three at running back, none at tight end on last year's playoff teams. were taken in the first round, two right. centers, three guards, 12 tackles, 10 edge players, seven defensive tackles. You're talking to only four corners round one guys and safety were only three. So I guess what we're looking at is like, okay, the Browns premium positions, do they have them allocated in the right places? I think that's a really fair discussion to have because there's some interesting stuff here, right? Quarterback, obviously they did. They they swung and went all in. But running back is a place we usually see people save money. Linebacker position, we see people save money. And I think guard traditionally, guard and center, right, are For sure. traditionally places we see teams try to save money. Uh, defensive tackle has come full circle people tried to ignore that and now they're realizing the value in that and that's why we saw those contracts go crazy but I don't know that there's any other, or would you say outside of running back I guess you can throw tight end in there because you can get even the bigger higher paid tight ends if they produce as a wide receiver on and our assets to your blocking game they really do provide a lot more value than the, what the contract numbers are. And that's why people say finding an elite receiving tight end can be so worth it because the market doesn't caught up to – it's almost like slot corner versus outside corner, which I know exactly. has been a big uh, topic with Newsom this past week is like they just not paid that well. So, you know, the lowest numbers on this list from from teams last year, 28% at running back, 7 at tight end, 31% at guard, at linebacker. Yep. Those are your lowest number. So the question is, have the Browns done well in how they have built this thing? That's the question. And I think to me, Andrew, I'll throw it to you first is the the thing that is alarming to me is any player that they have thought has become really a a, a really good player. uh, And there hasn't been a ton, a ton of them. But there have been some, right? Like everybody thought that the Browns would be the team to let a running back go and not give a second contract. They did it. The Browns, twice. analytically driven, twice.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the Browns, analytically driven, would not spend big, big money on guards. They did it.
2: Right? Twice, yeah.
1: I thought they would let <laughs> Ethan Posich walk because right. that's a position they could use their offensive line coach. They resign him. Yep. So – the question is, are they giving too much value to the non um the non important position and not enough to the to the non-premium, I should say, and not enough to the premium spots. That's right. the question.
2: Right. Because the because the the flip side of that is, you know, the the sort of five uh top uh, you know, they've definitely addressed quarterback, as you mentioned. They've definitely addressed tackle. Um, you know, I think Okoronkwo goes a little bit further towards addressing the edge position because he is a more of a multi-year commitment. Um, mm-hmm. Defensive tackle, you know, 60% of the starting defensive tackles um, were were acquired, you know, in this sort of premium way. And the Browns, you know, really just finally paid up for one um, for the first time in a while. So they've, they've obviously neglected that area. Uh, and then the other one that's just on the other side of 50% is wide receiver. And that's the other one, I mean... You know, with Barnwell's criteria, Cooper doesn't count because they didn't give up a lot in the draft and, you know, they didn't sign him to a new contract. But, you know, I think obviously he's on the cap for a large number. So there is some investment there from the team. You mentioned the Moore situation is also one where, you know, they parted with a pretty valuable asset. So um, I, I think, you know, certainly I think you could make the case that along the defensive line they haven't invested as much as maybe they ought to have. And part of that is due to how much they've got invested in Miles Garrett, right? And then wide receiver is the other sort of uh, trouble area that it, I think it's clear between the the Cooper move, the Moore move, and then the, all the smoke around Jerry Judy, um, that they, they kind of have seen that that's not, you know, an area that they want to keep going cheap at. Um, you know, to your point about, you know, th- that they haven't really let anybody go, I, I think that's such an interesting question. And I, I don't know that we know the answer yet. Because to me, I think you can make a case that that is rooted in um, their desire not to let talent walk out the door when, you know, the cupboard for a long time was so bare, right? Uh, uh, Joel Batonio plays guard, but he is one of the best guards in the league. So it would be awfully hard, you know, previous regimes. I mean, that was one of the big beefs that people had with the Sashi Brown years was, they, they, it's not like they didn't need a cornerback and they went ahead and cut Joe Hayden and he played another five years or six years in Pittsburgh. So, um, it, it's, 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 it's that balance of not letting good players just walk out the door for free, but at the same time, how much of your salary cap and, and all these, you know, team building issues, do you want tied up in, in players that aren't returning as much value to you? So I I think the question is Jake, as these, these players, move on right as nick chubb uh you know continues uh to to age uh hopefully gracefully as as joel batonio ends the you know nears the end of his career which he's you know he's he's in his 30s now uh do they sort of see that player leaving and then see that as a whole that needs to be replaced by a similar investment or do they then Look to replace that player, on a, you know, in a in a cheaper way, as a maybe a fourth round draft pick at guard, or a, you know, a, a, I mean, a, an undrafted free agent uh, running back, or maybe a a veteran free agent running back that hasn't gotten enough run at his previous destination, something like that.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I
1: think that's a fascinating thing to think about is when you look at where they were when when Barry arrived, you know, I I just – I'm trying to make sure I formulate and say this the correct way. When when they started the the regime when Barry comes in – if they had been winning, like I think winning makes the trust, and this isn't groundbreaking thought process here. But when when you've been winning traditionally, it should build trust to say, okay, like we're gonna let go of this player, and that's the smart move. And you're like, you have a background of winning and a background of making these moves that get people to trust you, right? So, what again? Like what, the way the angle I'm taking here is: did did Barry when he arrived had? These guys are smart, right? They they know the, the landscape of the rest of the league. I, I can't imagine they don't. They seem to, as you have pointed out, know more information, do more information gathering than anybody else. They know the conversation around premium positions, right? So, like, for sure, is it that they got here and they thought, well, we just can't let Nick Chubb go. We we can't do that to the fan base. Did that ultimatum come from Jimmy? Like, how does that work out? The, the same with guard play. Right. It's it's if you look at it and you compare it to the way picks are premium or like premium rosters are built with these spots that you invest certain amounts of money in. There are points at this roster you can kind of laugh at, like and say, "What, what were they doing? Why would they shell out money for those guys at those spots? So, like, again, like safety. They, inve- they haven't heavily invested in corner. Yeah. They've heavily invested. Right. You can't even look at many of these positions and say that they haven't swung. Right. If right. you were starting Grant Delpit, a second round pick and John Johnson years past, they, they've they made efforts at safety. They clearly made efforts at corner. The only like position I can sit here and say that they haven't really invested either. If we expand the premium landscape here, Andrew, of not just, um you know, not not just like the, the criteria that Barnwell has, but the criteria of they've extended a guy what positions have they ignored linebacker and defensive tackle right I mean that's kind of it right am am I am I missing one you can't say linebacker wide receiver because they've invested running back you can't say that they drafted Nick high and signed him uh, extended him right there's there's no there's no real spot here where you can say the Browns have have cut like now with the signing of Tomlinson and you know again That kind of makes linebacker the only one that you could say this about. It becomes a little, it just becomes really interesting. And even if you think about linebacker, they did make a big trade up to go get JOK. So the question is this. I think the crux of this episode, we found it. We lost our way for a little bit, but we found it, is the Browns have invested something significant at almost every position right? You could go through all of these positions and point at something Sure, really outside of a strong, the weakest case is linebacker for me. That's the weakest case yep. you could make. Yep. So, and I think that's fair with the landscape of the NFL, right? So the question is which one of these positions to what you just referenced, Andrew, are they going to have to skimp on? Eventually the Deshaun Watson money is going to come due. They can keep kicking the right. can a little bit, right. but there is going to be a massive cat figure at some point i don't know if it's going to be in the 45 50 60 range it'll be big it, it minimum will be 45 okay right it's they're gonna to have to start skimping at some positions and maybe they were smart enough to realize this that they could get away with it right right uh, and they could have they could have almost like like backed into this right because of the baker situation and uh you know the deshaun situation then lands in their lap and they have these ways to move the contract around to be moldable That's why I continue to say they're in like a two-year window because eventually they're going to have to start shedding some things. That's why these drafts right now, you might kind of roll your eyes. Well, they don't pick till 74. They have to find replacements in these drafts. So the question becomes, who do you think they're going where and who do you think they're going to start skimping on? Because that time is coming. We have gathered buzz that they were talking about potentially moving Wyatt Teller. They exactly. have to come off money. They have to right. come off money soon. Miles has a bigger number hitting soon. Denzel Ward has a bigger number hitting soon, right? Nick Chubb's number is getting large this year and into next year. So that's why the Elijah Moore trade for a cheap two years of him. Donovan's still in a cheap contract. You you gotta what we have to understand is when we're talking about this and we're saying they have invested something meaningful in every position here for four years. If you're looking at a four year window, they have done something meaningful where again do you see them reeling it back like what players again or what positions do you say i can see them starting to really tighten it up at that spot
2: yeah i mean the the nick chubb conversation is an interesting one right um just because you know his, his his cap number this year is almost 15 million and his cap number next year is 16 million um you know uh i i don't have in front of me how much of that is you know movable if he were to be traded if you could redo his contract probably that would be some you know if 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 he was going to be traded that's probably how they would approach that is whoever's trading for him would would redo that um you know obviously cooper moving on is going to free up a ton of money just because of the way his contract is structured so um you know but but you know overall you want to see them continue to spend at the wide receiver position so then that becomes a question of you know, do you pay somebody like Donovan Peoples Jones or are you in the market again next offseason for another like high profile wide receiver? Um, but yeah, I mean, I just you know, looking at kind of where they're at in in the roster with this, you know, the salary cap numbers, you know, teller for sure. I was gonna for sure bring up the idea that that they were shopping him this offseason and and decided not to. And and you know, that's one of those things where uh, the right offer comes along at draft time and and that conversation changes again. Right. So, um, you know, I think, I think the teller number is, is big and, and, you know, uh, 16, you know, uh, 15 and a half this year, 60, almost 17 next year. And then almost 18 and 25, those numbers for what he has played like uh, are, you know, kind of bananas to me. And I don't, that's, that's one that I would really like to see them get out from if they, if they could figure out a way to do it uh you know on, on on the defensive side of the ball there's not really anything eye-popping other than just you know denzel ward being a really highly paid cornerback um but i don't think you can really move on from him right now now you know this year if newsom and emerson both play really well does that change um you know but i think i think to your overall you know your overall point your overall question um th- there there is going to have to be some some hard decisions made and and well, think i think about it this really... way think about it this way Go let ahead. me
1: pause you Yeah, what we can do is take a look at these players that have contracts set to expire in the next few years, because the draft is it's a means of many things you can get players to plug and play right away. But it is a means of looking ahead with your roster. You can get an idea of what positions they might be looking at. If we're talking oh, about absolutely. moving on from Wyatt Teller and yeah. Joel Batonio starting to age, you're probably looking at drafting a meaningful interior offensive lineman in some way, yep. shape or form. That could be anywhere from pick 98 to 142. Right. right. You you right. look at, OK, um, what guys are up for contracts next? Yep. Running back. Okay, so running back's a position like with the last one. So if you think Nick's leaving, they got to draft a guy. And that's why I sit here and think they're going to spend a premium position on running back, a pick on running back for well relative to their premium picks. Right. Because they haven't signed a veteran and they are going to have to move on from Nick at some point. So they're going to have to be really cheap at running back in the future. They're going to have to potentially replace Donovan Peoples-Jones because they don't want to pay him the money that he might be asking for. And the same for Amari Cooper. So that's why we continue to look at wide receiver pretty heavily. Um, You're always looking at tight end because of the cheap nature of it. But again, continuing on, they could look at tackle. What's Jedrick Wills going to be? And then Jack Conklin's money expires. They're not going to re-sign him. And and like Again, when you're talking about Jedrick Wills, these are your potential candidates for extensions. Are they going to be able to afford Grant Delpit? Are they going right. to be able to afford Greg Newsom, who becomes uh, qualified at the, uh, at the I think he's going to be eligible for an extension at the end of the season next year. Right. So and I could be off on that. I'm sorry if I'm missing the point. That he becomes extension eligible. But like those are the guys like, OK, so you start thinking what guys are up for contracts next? Because those are the people that could be let go.
2: Right. Because they can afford to keep he's going into year three. Yep.
1: Grant Greg Newsom going into year three. Grant Delpit going into year four these are the guys where you start to say hey do you see them keeping them because that's the question here uh do you see them keeping any of those guys like that is where if you're tight against it you spend all this money to keep this structure together and eventually you have to start paying you have to start skimping at some positions like you you have to start letting because the quarterback money comes due you have to start letting some of those guys go that's why people will ask I'm not drafting a third safety for a third safety role. I think you can find those one-year types anywhere. Maybe they even believe in De'Anthony Bell to get it done. The safety they're drafting this year is the safety that's going to play next to Juan Thornhill. I think, yep. right? right? Absolutely. Greg Newsome, fun. You got him for four years, potentially even a fifth. You can keep him cheap for a fifth. But they drafted they draft Martin Emerson just in case, right? Denzel Ward either doesn't pan out, or you don't extend Newsom. That's an angle. That's the angle you're taking a large part of the angle you're taking linebacker. We'll see what they do, but at least what have I been talking about pretty heavily this off season? I'm talking about linebacker because you want linebackers on cheap rookie deals. And that's why it's like, okay, JOK is going to have to be Fred Warner type. Good check. Shaq, right. uh, Shaq Leonard type. Good to get to the point that they even should be considering an extension. You're going to start seeing good Browns players have to be let go of because when your quarterback has a cap number what is his cap number this year it's, it's, it should still be pretty
2: small i don't it's have it in like, front of it's me like it's like 20 i think I, i've got it here it's uh yeah it's 19 he's
1: gonna that's gonna go up by 40 million so that money you have to come up with that money somewhere at some point so okay if you're saying i can do that with watson's contract one more time all right and again yeah. this isn't a hugely researched episode here so if there's probably one person over the seas right now, Jack Duffin, listen to this, and maybe we're saying something's <laughs> wrong. But again, like my point is, if the two-year window's this, that meshes with some things being, you're going to have to skimp on some things at yeah. some point. So yeah. your next extension, guys, it's too far out to say yes or no on those guys right now because you can move off of some of these expensive players we're talking right. about right here, Nick, and right. and, uh, and 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 Teller and, and the like, but it's where you can see, if you're thinking, well, the Browns have done a great job of retaining all their talent. They've done this. They have yet to really pay a quarterback massive money. They have right. not done it yet. That day is going to come. So why do you hear me say, it's a two-year window, two-year window? They're like the, the What I mean by that is, what you're accustomed, not that the Browns can't compete, because they can find ways to fill roster spots and get it done, but what you're accustomed to, which is every player who has come in and ended up doing something good, being good in some form. They've kept them around. Those days are numbered. They're really numbered. So, again, I think playing the game of would you keep these next extension guys or would you cut this person, we're too far out from that. But the point of like franchise mode is what we're talking about here is how you build your Mm -hmm. organization. And they have done some things that have told you we have cheap quarterback money. Extending guards, Right. Uh, the things that they have done with a running back contract, they have they have showed you that we have we know we're in a window of a cheap, cheaper quarterback contract. Those days will end. they yep. They will. And at that point, you'll start to see where the belt gets tight and you have to skimp on some things. So they'll need answers at guard. They'll need an answer at safety. They'll potentially need an answer. Uh, At one of the cornerback roles, they'll need to keep drafting young linebackers who can play on rookie contracts and play effect. That's what the Chiefs have done. Have you paid attention to the Chiefs, anybody? The picks that they have made at linebacker have worked out really well. Picks rounds one, two, and three have worked out really well for them. That's the only way they can survive with Mahomes' contract. So I don't know if there's anything I'm even able to ask you to add to what I'm saying, Andrew, but like,
2: Oh, it I've got is, stuff to it is say.
1: A, I I love that. Well, that that's why you're here. Uh I just I think that that's the biggest surprise coming for people. We have yeah, we are in a window now where the Browns have become better. They've become more competent. They've become a team. Although we've been disappointed in some outcomes the last two years, we've been able to point to exact reasons why. The roster is pretty good because they have not been forced to let anybody go. Right. And this is the and it's a perfect shining example of well, why do people talk about the gold of a rookie contract? Essentially, what they have been dealing with is five years of Baker's rookie contract uh, in terms of a cap hit number. Deshaun is still on, like, what is You said it was 19, 20 million. That's what the fifth year, um, uh, picking up the fifth year option was for Baker last year. That exact same number, like exactly. 19, 20 yep. million. Right. They have not had a 40 to $50 million quarterback cap number. When that comes, the fat has to get trimmed on any of those in between type of contracts.
2: No, I think you make a lot of good points, Jake. I, you mentioned Jack Duffin's name, and and he wrote a great article for us this week uh, at the OBR, uh, talking about this exact idea in terms of the the draft positions that the Browns will focus on this year because of the some of these guys that will not be coming back next year. And and uh, safety was for sure on that list uh, because you know his his estimation is that you can't really afford to pay Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill, um, so so you need to find another. Another safety. But but again, the Browns have put themselves, you know, part of the Watson deal is that they're trying to do all of this without any premium picks. Right. Um, This will be their Mm -hmm. second straight year without a first round pick. Uh, That's why it would
1: be better. It's advantageous to go find your own quarterback. Right. So exactly.
2: uh, Right. The risk isn't
1: the money risk isn't the money with Watson. It's always high. Like, yeah, it could be like 10 to 15 million between if they would have had their own guy in their hometown, like they had drafted Watson brought, but the difference is like to me, at least the difference is how you sort of balance all of it out, right? Like how you, Mm -hmm. how you fit all of that money in and the timing of which, because you can't do it with the draft picks, the draft picks are the things that are so, so valuable. Like the chiefs, still having all those first round picks over time. Right. Right. It's right. so, it's so damn valuable. And that's, that's the fight, the fight the Browns are having is figuring this out without picks, you know, pick 74 is your first pick. That is, that's really hard to hit on Yep. those players you you're talking about there that, that Jack noted that they have to figure out a way to ch- replace with those cheap contracts for rookies.
2: Yeah. So check that article out because I think it's a really, it's, it's the right way to be thinking about what the Browns are looking at in the draft. It's not about this year's roster at all. Really? it's about next year and the year after that. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but I will also just add that, um, you know, you, the way that you laid this out, we have talked about 2023 as a, as a crucial year for the, for the front office, for the coach, because they need to really kind of start delivering results based on the quality of the roster, the stuff that we just went through right there. The, the window is now. Um, and that's true. I'm not saying that that's not true, but I also think it's interesting that, um, you know, th- there's a real issue here of it being an important year for a lot of players on the roster. I mean, we named a lot of players on the Browns roster that really need to perform to justify either a new contract here, a new contract somewhere else, or to continue to be here on their existing contract. Um, you know, we, we've we've mentioned Wyatt Teller's name a bunch. Uh, David Njoku has some big cap hits over the next few years, and I know that they just signed that extension last year, but the way the NFL works is – you know, he probably lived up to it last year. If, if, uh, we get to the end of this season, it's like, you know, Watson doesn't really need that level of a tight end and he's not really finding him as much as we wanted. And we'd really rather have a wide receiver or, you know, something on defense, you know, do, do you find a way to move him on and, and maybe find a trade for him? I think there's a lot of players, um, that, that have a little bit of a prove it year in 2023. And then I would add to that, that, you know, the pressure is really going to be on this front office in a different way um, to maximize the deals that they sign. Um, looking at this whole exercise, it, it really strikes me that, you know, the, the, the sort of the second or first, the sort of co-first uh, big-time addition that they made in 2020 was Austin Hooper. And um, he's not on the team anymore, as we all know, uh, wasn't on the team last year still costing the team 75 or 7 I'm sorry 7.5 million dollars in cap space for 2023. So when you swing and miss like that or the John Johnson signing, when you make these marquee signings and they they don't contribute and they don't even see out most of the contract that you sign them to, it really puts you behind the eight ball. They can't afford to make those misses. So the guys that they signed this offseason, Tomlinson, Thornhill, I mean, you know, the Thornhill and Okoronko ones aren't as big, but certainly Tomlinson you know those guys need to earn that money uh to to make the whole cap thing work because you otherwise you're paying dead money to guys that aren't producing
1: and jack did a great job of pointing out how jimmy haslam is helping with that right i'm referencing jack a lot but if we're talking about roster construction build around the cap you just have to you have to look at this stuff in a unique way that i still don't think enough people are like people will be surprised by things right it's not that like that's kind of what we're trying to do with the OBR. It's not so much insider information so much as looking at the data laid out in front of you and predicting based off of it. Right. Um, when, when, when you look at this thing, what's, what's striking to me is like you're pointing out the free agents and that that's, that's hundred percent true. Jimmy Haslam has given them a little leeway to get that right. Right. His ability to spend the cash that they spend cash spent money, which is bananas. Compared to the rest of the league, he gives them more opportunity to make up for misses on Austin Hooper or, you know, John Johnson, where another owner might not have the money to 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 be able to do that. You know what I mean, Andrew? So like, he gives yeah. them some built-in advantages, but you can't do it. Like, you can't have a bunch of these. You can, you cannot continue to do that if you're looking at turning this thing over the roster turnover that's brewing it's coming it's going to happen it's just Mm -hmm. it's an inevitable thing I do think they have timed up some of their contracts pretty well uh, to fit with the Watson money when it's actually going to really really significantly hit but I guess the point of this more than anything is to get your mind spinning uh, as a listener about what's brewing, like what is actually coming because there will be a bunch of Browns fans who, when they make these decisions to let Grant or let JOK go or make some trades ahead of time, right? Maybe make that some trade we heard buzz of, right? Like th- there's a reason why they're doing it because they just, they have to do it. So you shouldn't be surprised by it while there will be other Browns fans who just cannot figure out why these things are going on, you should have, at least I hope from listening to this, an idea that these things are eventually going to come. Is even when people will say the cap is fake, the big phrase, we have hats built around this now at the OBR, so crazy. (laughs) The Saints are the example, and the Saints do a lot of things really well. But go back and look at the last few years, uh, the Saints cap and who they've ended up letting go. They've let really good players walk because they just couldn't afford them around the margins. Davenport yep. this offseason, the edge right uh, Mar- Marcus Williams, a safety who they let go who's in Baltimore now they have let go of really good players that aren't their biggest names, but people don't they don't catch on to it yep. and they think that like the, the Saints are still you know they're able to go sign car and but the Saints are able to do that because look who they've had to let walk right this the bill the cap expanding helps your owner expanding his willingness to pay the cash to the cap helps but you do have to do some things right here you do have to get your picks to hit to a higher to to a certain degree and your free agents you cannot just keep bringing in free agents who don't pan out and not that i think barry's been bad and i don't think he's been sloppy but i do think there are some some spots where they do need to be better or this wave past the wave we're currently in which is right now we're in this we can pay everybody we've done that we've got 2 years when you start to hit the next window which is the Watson contract kicking in it, it is going to be much more challenging yep and if you if you miss that's when guys like Richard Lecount are going to have to find the field in some right. form or fashion those guys that you have been able to avoid will have to find the field and play and it's going to be it's going to be ugly it's going to be like the defensive tackle group we saw last year
2: yeah I think, you know, the other thing about the Saints that, that I, I think this is the part that maybe doesn't get talked about as much is that they they absolutely have let talented players go. They also are in a in a very strange position where, you know, they have one of the oldest rosters in the league because they kind of can't afford to let some of their veterans go. Because if they release them, they incur a ton of dead cap because of the way they've structured the contracts. And so some of these guys, like a Michael Thomas, for example, they're just restructuring their contract out. Those guys have to see out their careers in New Orleans, basically, so that then they retire and the Saints get some cap relief. Like they, it was the same thing that happened to Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees couldn't go sign for another team because the, the Saints needed him to retire so that they that ameliorated some of the cap concerns that they have. So their their roster is old and they are committed to a lot of overpriced veterans who are not producing at the level that they were. You know they're name players, but they're not producing at the level that they were when they made their name, and so that's another example, another dimension to how the Saints are have less flexibility. And so if you look at, you know, the Brown situation, they're able to say, "Okay, Austin Hooper, take a hike, John Johnson, take a hike," because they have the cap space to absorb a dead cap hit from those contracts. In a few years, that won't be as true, and so if Dalvin and Tomlinson have to restructure doesn't those guys. exactly,
1: they'd have to restructure them right? Just take the cap number. You, you, you can't take down a rookie contract. So like Marcus Williams, those types, Davenport, you can't restructure a rookie deal. So those are the guys that walk that are still kind of in their prime. You're making a great point there.
2: Yeah. So Tomlinson, for example, if he strikes out, you know, I mean, I, I know some of this isn't guaranteed, but currently his cap numbers for 25 and 26 are 19 and a half million both years. So I know that the, you know, Jack's got a great analysis of his contract up. There's Money to be moved around. But the point is, is that if he doesn't develop or doesn't produce at the level that they're paying, their flexibility for just moving on from that player is less than it was uh this year, last year, because they don't have the excess cap space to absorb those dead cap hits. Things are
1: getting tighter, man. They did the yep. rollover cap for a reason. So you saw this last year. They post teams with the cu- most current cap space, and it would be the Browns, right? Yep. And then you would look at it and you'd be like, well, that's interesting. And then and then, what was funny is that we got to the off season, and then you'd see teams with the most cap space once the offseason got here, and the Browns were at the bottom, and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Hey, what do you think they used that rollover cap on? Why do you think they kept that money and didn't go sign some of those players? Well, they did it to keep the the the, the core structure of what would be the next year in place, and they couldn't even just do things without having to move Watson's money around, right? They had right. to release John Johnson. That money hasn't even kicked in yet, but like – They had to get creative just to get space. So the cap is not easy to understand. That's why we do this at the OBR to try to help you get some level of understanding. And like, you know, we talk about it a decent amount. Maybe we understand it about, I don't know, 50%, 60%. Yeah. I was going to say it's a coin flip. It might even be, it might even be less uh, in terms (laughs) of the, 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 the smaller details of what the cap is and how it all works. But we try to give you an idea of what's coming in the future based on what we know right now about the cap. And there are just, there's some, there's some shining examples in my opinion of uh, situations that have happened to some teams uh, and, and just where the, the quarterback money eventually hits uh, and how that changes everything. It, yeah. It's happened to many organizations across the NFL. And, you know, when you look at this and you preface an, our, an episode like we did by saying, well, you know, they haven't really let anybody walk. Well, they haven't had really, if somebody's proven to be pretty damn good, they haven't had to make many of those decisions. They've been comfortable in doing them. They're no, there's no longer a comfort in doing them, uh, in my That's opinion. Right. There is a, yep. a bunch of heart. like if Grant Delpit has a great season – imagine Grant Delpit has an, a, a really, really good season. Right. And is stellar and uh, you know, does a bunch of uh, – steps forward a bunch of ways. Then you start to say, "Well, this is something the browser, they might have to franchise tag somebody for right. a year to keep him right. around for a year." Something we haven't entertained, and we say, "Why would they do the franchise tag?" Well, they can't afford to extend them. That's a tricky right. part. So there's a bunch of like new salary cap territory we're getting into, and hopefully um, today was relatively informative in some way for some of you. And um, it's just a lot of loose discussion we're doing here, but I yeah. do think there's there's a lot of understanding about big changes that are going to be eventually happening here so i don't know you got anything to add to what we've talked about here because i think we've (laughs) instilled a certain level of fear they can do it like the thing i'll say is two things with the ground's favor they have an owner who will spend 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 in a way that is unique in the nfl has no fear of being at the top of cash spent which is again if you're like what the hell are you talking about cash spent you have to go back and listen to my episode for monday with jack where we went through and explained how this benefits the Browns, like what the owner is doing to make Andrew Barry's job easier and allow them to take more swings at, at players. So that is uh, out there, go check that on money, but they have an owner who will do that. Right. Which is hugely advantageous. And I think they have a bunch of pretty smart people between Barry and the people that focus on the cat for them and the guys who run analytics for them. So there's, there's plenty to be, encouraged in my opinion andrew about their ability that even as things get super tight they can still make this work
2: yeah yeah i think the thing but that watson's
1: got to be good the thing that's got to <laughs> be above all else this i John, was going to try this better be good my takeaway yeah.
2: for one i was i this yeah. better be good for one show i was going to try and not make that my only takeaway um i i you know the one thing i think is i i think that the, the you know we've you've done such a great job of underlining that it's really a two-year window like they can absolutely run this back in 23 and 24. And then things will have to change. The question is, do they get opportunities to change things up before they're forced to, right? So, you know, looking for a trade for Wyatt Teller is a perfect example. They don't need to do that. But if they do that, it allows them more flexibility to do other things, both now and into the future. And so I think I just have a little bit in the back of my head, a little bit of a lookout for weird stuff, uh radar going in terms of well as we go into the draft here right there's there's always a a player trade or two during the draft you know as we go through through training camp if if there's some injury position situation that pops up somewhere else um I, i just i have a little bit of a radar for you know a move that they maybe make a year ahead of time just to kind of be in that position of not being forced to make a bad choice later so that's one thing that I'm just, I'm looking for now. They might not, they like, uh, we keep saying they can keep it together for the next two years. And so they might choose to do that and just try and build an all-star roster for the next two years and hope they win a bunch of games to pay it off. But I also think there's a chance there's a chance that, you know, another team offers them, makes the Godfather offer, you know, uh, I don't know how you say no to that. So I, that's one thing I'm just kind of, I'm, you know, keeping an eye on that.
1: They'll do some unexpected. They should be doing unexpected stuff because there should be a lack of first of all there should be a lack of predictability with them they don't want to be that predictable but but you're right, right. they have to start getting more creative and, mm-hmm. and with the need to get more creative comes oh we didn't see that coming I feel like a lot of the Browns decisions whether re-signing players the only yeah, one that exactly. came out of nowhere but it didn't come out of nowhere when you think about it uh, at the time because the Browns are desperate for a quarterback they were in the middle of the Baker Mayfield debacle it wasn't yep. shocking that Watson Uh, that they were pursuing Deshaun Watson to me. It was shocking he chose Cleveland. It was shocking they did the 230. Those were the only two shots. Everything else has really not been that jarring in terms of the decision they made. We knew they needed a wide receiver, and Amari Cooper presented a great opportunity for it, right? They haven't made any decisions on their own in-house extensions um, that have been shocking to me there's going to be some stuff whether again players leaving or whatever that's going right. to surprise you i think that right. element of surprise of i didn't see them going this direction uh, yep. is looming it's it's going to happen at some point so um listen we're gonna leave it at that this is a yep. fun episode there's a lot of like we're we're like standing somewhere and we can see the storm cloud way off and the storm <laughs> cloud is not bad i don't want this this sort of ominous yeah. feel bunch of mystery that is out there about these moves Mm-hmm. that uh we have to see what the end game will look like and we can see it we know it's coming right the radar's telling us but we just don't know when it's going to exactly land here so right. they might get out in front of the storm or they might just wait for the storm to get here and make a bunch of decisions within that storm but it's coming all right good stuff F- fun episode man i appreciate the uh banter on this one and uh, yeah you guys didn't turn us off if you're still listening that means you <laughs> cared enough to listen uh, you know, as long some, as we talked here.
2: Yeah. Sometimes these are pretty tight and we, I think we make just a bunch of really good arguments and other times we just kind of talk about the Browns t- team, you know, it's a little bit more like the grateful dead with some of these where it's just, it's like a 20 minute song, you know, a lot of solos, people are getting lost, you know, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you've got a little recreation happening in the background to just kind of like stimulate the mind. You know, I don't know. It's, it's recreation, some, you know? Yeah. You call it, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm trying like trying to be it. euphemistic here. Uh, Uh, yeah uh, this one was a little jammier this was a little bit more you know we 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 got a little bit loose here but i think it was still some pretty good stuff and i hope folks enjoyed it
1: yeah i hope you guys did too so for andrew for me if you have any questions you want to yell at us laugh at us hopefully oh yeah please like i said if you if you if you kept this episode turned on i don't know how many minutes into this thing we are you enjoyed it it was uh (laughs) i think that's above all else to try to do with this podcast is make you think it like look at things differently around the browns whether on the field or off the field and at minimum, I think we accomplished that. So, listen, thanks for being here. Have a great Friday and enjoy the good weather, whether you're down in North Carolina where Andrew is, or whether you're in Columbus like me. I appreciate you guys listening. Have a great Friday. Go around. This is the story of the one.